So why don't we crack open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Pastor Ruben did an amazing job last week covering chapter 3 and 4. And if you didn't see that, that you weren't here that day, you could go to our YouTube channel and check it out. It's an awesome, awesome sermon. I, I encourage you to go check that out tonight. Um, we're going to be focusing on the last two chapters. Tonight we'll be looking at chapter 5. Next Wednesday night, invite somebody out because it's going to be really exciting looking at the armor of God in chapter 6. Um, Pastor Reuben will be closing it out. But the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to go to verse 25. Verse 25. It's going to sound like a marriage uh, sermon in the beginning. But as we get into the word of God, we'll begin to see what God has for not only those who are married, but for us as a, as a body of Christ. The Bible says in verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church. Everyone say radiant church. Without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Why don't we go ahead and pray tonight. Lord, we thank you for... Uh, the worship team, Lord, that set the atmosphere to give you praise. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're going to do tonight in, in, our, in our church. Lord, we pray tonight that we would be a radiant church, that we wouldn't be a compromising church, that we wouldn't be a lukewarm church, that we wouldn't be a worldly church, but we would be a radiant church, Lord, for your honor and your glory. And I pray, Lord, that you would stir our hearts, Lord, to be that bride that you've called us to be for your honor and your glory Lord, and we bind every strategy of the enemy that will try to divert us from your very best because we know that you want to give us the very, very best. And right now I pray, Lord, that I would decrease and that you would increase. And we all say this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. For you that are married here, you husbands, the Bible gives us an awesome, awesome command. I mean, this is heavy. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he laid down his life for the church. And this is an amazing sacrifice that you and I see as husbands that Christ said, you know what? If you, if you want to have a good marriage, you have to lay down your life for your wife. The same way I laid down my life for the church. And he said, I, I laid it down for the church that this church can be a radiant church, a beautiful church, a glorious church. Now... For you, that are, you husbands that are married, you remember the time where you were there and the pastor was there or maybe the priest was there and you were standing right there on the altar and you were waiting for your bride to come in, right? Some of you might have got a little scared because she was taking a while and you're thinking, man, I wonder if she got second thoughts. But you were right there, you were waiting for your bride, you were standing there proudly as you were waiting for your bride to come in. And all of a sudden, when she came in, the whole congregation, they rose up. Why? Because your bride began to walk into, into the cathedral or to the church, and she looked so beautiful. You've seen her, and she spent a lot of time on her hair, hours on her hair, and she spent a lot of time on her makeup and a lot of time on her dress. I mean, there was hours and hours of preparation for that moment when your bride walked in. And what did you do? You stood there proudly, right? 
You stood there proudly. Why? Because your bride was coming in and you were so thankful. But I want you to imagine Christ as the husband and us, the church, as the bride coming in. And that's the picture that Paul paints for you and I is that Christ is the husband, the church, us, as, as you here today, we are the body of Christ. And he says that we must be a radiant church, not a lukewarm church, not a compromising church. Because imagine if the bride's coming in, and this is just a scenario, but imagine the bride's coming in, and she's looking at the guy, you know, that's sitting down in the back. Or she's, you know, kind of looking at the guy that's sitting over there. Or she's just wondering, you know, she's not even focused on the groom. She's not even focused on who she's married. But she's kind of looking this way and kind of looking that way. How is you no? Know, that would be bad. That would be really bad. I, you know, you feel, that's bad. That's not good. But you read the Bible, and when you and I as a church, a body of Christ, the Bible says that God has called the church to be holy to be set apart in the church today, God's purpose, God's goal for the church is holiness. It's nothing else. It's, it's not being popular. It's not having the most members. It's not um, being the most trendy. That's not God's goal for the church. But God's goal for the church is to build a holy people. A holy people. So you and I, as the bride of Christ, how many of you want to be radiant when Christ returns? That we want to be radiant and that when he comes, that he can stand there proud, looking at God the Father, Jesus, looking at the bride of the church, coming in, not looking at this world, not looking at the worldliness, the carnality, the immorality, all those things that want to divert us, but looking at a radiant church, a glorious church, the bride walking in with her eyes just on the groom, Jesus Christ, with all of her heart, all of her soul, all of her strength, saying, Jesus, I want to please you and you alone, no one else. Holiness. Um, Paul gives us the, the, the directives in chapter 5, and we're going to look at chapter 5. We're going to start on verse 1. He begins to give us direction. So let's go to um, chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says this. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 3. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because there are, these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Now, you might say, okay, all these things, these things are holy things. These things are righteous things. Um, but you may say, well, why should I do these things? Now, for any of you, have any of you had your mother tell you this? You better listen to me because I'm your mother. Or maybe she said, you know, I made you and I can take you. You know, maybe she said something like that. You know, she said, you know, I brought you into this world, but, buddy, I can take you out of this world really quick. She used the mom card. 
She said, I'm your mom, and you better listen. In Ephesians chapter 4, in the last verse, God uses the God card. And he gives us a reason why we should be holy and be righteous. And he says these words in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. The last five words in chapter 4 are this. Verse 32. Last five words. Just as God forgave you. Just as God forgave you you. In chapter 5, he talks about the motivation of why we should be living for God. Following his example, being imitators of God, we know that we have to be. We know that we're called to be. Some of us didn't want to come to church today, but we pushed ourselves to be here tonight. Why? Because we want holiness in our life. We want righteousness working inside of our life, the fruits of the Spirit working inside of our life. But we see something awesome. Just as God forgave you, and then all of a sudden he gives us the prescription on how to live. So maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I don't know if I want to be holy. You got to remember, God forgave you. God was gracious to you. God, God had mercy on your life. God had mercy inside of your marriage. God had mercy inside of, inside of you. And just the way God forgave you, this should be something that motivates us to serve God, to go forward for God. We could never forget what God's done. We can never forget about his goodness. We can, we, can, we can never lose sight of how merciful he's been to us. And maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was 30 years ago. But re- regardless, he was merciful to you. He was good to you, and he's still good today to you. His mercies are new every single morning. Whether you see them or not, God's mercy in my life, God's mercy in your life, today God's doing a new work inside of you. So he's working, he's moving on our behalf, but just as God forgave you, this should encourage us to follow God's example of radiance. I want you to look at your neighbor today. I want you to say, are you radiant for God? When you walk into your job, do people go, man, there's something different about that lady? Her face is just shining. And it's not because you're oily or anything. You just were in prayer. You were seeking the face of God. That morning you're saying, God, fill me. Let me be radiant for you. When you walk onto the job site, do the guys look at you and go, man, why do I feel so convicted when I cuss in front of this guy? They won't say convicted, but you catch my drift. Why, why, do, why, why do I feel uncomfortable around this guy? Because there's this radiance inside of us. You said the Old Testament, Moses the Bible said he went to the mountain with God. He was on Sinai. He came down, and the Bible said that his face shone with radiance. He was glowing with God's presence all around him. The Bible says that they even got this towel, this cover that they put over his face because people, they said, man, he's radiant with God's glory. We don't want to see it. Holiness brings radiance inside of your life. People, they see something inside of you when you're what? When you're living holy for God, when you're living pure for God, when you're saying, God, let my thoughts be lined up with your thoughts. Lord, let my thoughts, my ideas, these these things that come to my head, let them be in line with your word. That we're saying no to worldly uh, music, that we're saying no to worldly movies, that we're saying no to those bad shows. You guys know what shows I'm talking about. That you're, you're saying no to following those improper people. Why would you follow those people? 
They're bad examples. They're, they're bad examples. They're, they're, they're not leading you to Christ. They're leading you astray from holiness. They're, they're bringing you to worldliness, carnality, and lukewarmness. That's not radiance. This, morning, this evening, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a serious directive that Paul gives direction for protection. And I, wanna, I want you to say that. Say direction for protection. Go to verse 5, and it gets deep. Are you ready? Verse 5. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Verse 7. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. A serious directive. Paul said, be sure of this. No immoral, greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Tolerant words, you know, words that, you know, please our worldly uh, pleasures or even soothe our, our, our conscience. He says, don't let no one deceive you with empty words. He says, because of these things, God's wrath is coming on those who are disobedient. Then he goes on to say, do not partner with them. Don't be a partner with them. He goes, what does light have to do with darkness? In the book of Corinthians, he talks about do not be un evenly yoked with unbelievers. You don't want to marry an unbeliever. You don't want to be in a business partnership with an unbeliever. You don't want to be in covenant relationship with an unbeliever. You might say, well, that sounds kind of mean. That sounds intolerant. But God's saying something for our protection. He says to separate yourself and to be holy. Now, this goes against the grain of our modern world. Isn't that true? Even the Christian world? The compromising Christian, Christian world? He goes, you know what? You must be set apart. You must be holy as I am holy. In the book of Leviticus chapter 11, verse 24, he says, be set, set apart. Be holy as I am holy. In verse 25, he says it again. Be holy as I am holy. In the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he says, be holy because I am holy. How many of you this evening want to be holy? Some of you guys, are, I think so. I think so. <laughs> the devil, he wants to rob you of God's best. And he, you know, the devil, he's a bully. He's a deceiver, a manipulator, a conniver, a killer. That's, that's what he does. And he wants to dupe Christians into believing that they can live a compromising life and have God's fullest. But that's just not the case. Paul said, 
don't let no one deceive you with empty words. He goes, because of this, the wrath of God comes. And then he says, you're children of the light, holy. That's who God called us to be, holy. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, are you holy? Do not partner with them. All right, so we're going to do something a little different. I want everyone to pull out your cell phone tonight. If we could dim the lights just a little bit. The Bible says that we're the light of the Lord. If we could dim the lights just a little bit up there. Did I wake up the light, lighting guy? <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do is I want everyone to turn on your flashlight. Okay? And as you turn, oh my gosh, this is cool. Wave it around. This is what we are in darkness. We are the light of Christ. So as you're waving your, your, your flashlight around, thank you very much. You've just seen an illustration of what you do when you are at your job, when you are with your unsafe family, you're being the light in a dark world. Now, that's awesome. My light wasn't working. <laughs> and I said, Lord, I mean, right now I'm saying, God, why? Because some of your lights are not working. And you're, 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 you're just being. Oh, she didn't catch that. I'm sorry. How many of us want our lights working? We got to shine our light. We have to shine our light for Christ. We have to shine our light for, for God. And he says the fruit of the light is goodness. Now, goodness is a unique Greek word. It only appears in the New Testament four times, okay? In the Greek, um, it only appears in the New Testament four times. But the crazy thing about this word, which I think is really awesome, it's not found in secular Greek writings. It's only found in the Word of God. And I think that illustrates something. That illustrates that you won't find goodness out in the world. You only find it in the body of Christ. True goodness, true goodness, true light. And goodness is in a person is not a mere passive quality, but the deliberate preference for right over wrong, the firm and persistent, persistent resistance of all moral evil and the choosing and following of all moral good. That is goodness. That you say, you know what, there's, there's a wrong road, but I'm going to choose the right road. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right. That is goodness. It's making the right choice at the right time and following not the crowd, but following the Holy Spirit. Saying, God, I don't want anything to do with darkness. I don't want the devil to manipulate me. I don't want darkness to pr produce any of its fruit because the fruit of darkness is dead fruit. Let's be real. Our lives before we came to the Lord... There was just fruitlessness. Then we give our life to Jesus. He begins to give us joy and peace and integrity and righteousness inside of our lives. I mean, awesomeness. 
And the devil will try to, to, to bring us to a place where, where we're no longer praying or studying God's word or being with God's people. He'll begin to lie to us and discourage us and, and do all kinds of weird things inside of our mind to just divert us from God's best and bring us a, to a place of isolation where we don't want to be around God's people. We don't want to be in God's word. We don't want to be praying. We don't want to be reading. And all of a sudden he begins to what? He begins to bring us into what? His realm. Into what? Fruitlessness. But this evening, I know there's some people here that don't want anything to do with that. Verse 11 gets really good. Paul says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Verse 12, this is a great directive. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. It's shameful even to talk about it. Verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it said, wake up, sleeper. Everyone, we need to wake up for God. We need to wake up. Rise from the dead. How many of you are dead? Don't raise your hand this evening. But you need to rise up. We need to rise up. I need to, you need to, we all need to rise up for God. Say, God, I'm going to be that person that you called me to be. He says, rise from the dead. He's speaking to the church here. He goes, and Christ will shine on you. Awesome. I want God to shine on me. Do you want God to shine on you? You know the light that Moses was so radiant from? It was the light of Christ. I know it was. It was the, it was the glory of Christ, God over his face that was shining down. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. That is amazing. It really is amazing. So he gives us these um, encouragements and instructions. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Living in darkness, sin hinders us, it harms us, it destroys everything that God wants to do in the life of a person. The Bible says, expose those, those things for what they are a counterfeit. Have any of you ever had a counterfeit $100 bill? Counterfeit five, maybe some of you used to make them before you got saved. <laughs> but now you're saved, so praise God. You're making real money now. Thank you, Jesus, right? But the devil, he's a counterfeiter. He's a counterfeiter. He'll send counterfeit joy through drugs, through alcohol. Through partying, through debauchery, which we're going to look at, he'll send counterfeit um, relationships that are not in the will of God. God. God's plan for relationships is one man, one woman in the covenant of marriage, not, not anything else, but it's one man, one woman in the covenant of marriage. And, and that's God's design. That's his very best. Has the enemy came to destroy that? Yes, he has. He's came, he's, he's came full force to destroy that, to hinder that, especially in these last few years. He wants to redefine um, God's union of marriage, God's blessing of marriage. And so all these counterfeits that will come to us and he'll say, it's genuine, but 
The Bible says the devil is a thief. He's a thief. So he wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our peace. He wants to steal our strength. He wants to steal our purpose. He's coming with counterfeits. He's going to send, he's going to send temptation your way. He's going to say, hey, you're not happy in your marriage. Hey, you're, you're not happy serving God. Why don't you go, you know, just live a life of debauchery, a life of sin. Counterfeits he sends to rob us, rob us. Even you singles today, just because you're single doesn't mean that you, that, that, you can't li- that you shouldn't live a pure life. You want to live a pure life of preparation for your future spouse. And let me tell you why. Because you, you don't want to take any junk into your marriage. You want, you want to be prepared. Because once you get married, there's still temptation. That's why you want to be prepared even now. Saying, God, I'm going to live a righteous life now. Because it's preparation for your future. Preparation. God's preparing you through holiness, righteousness. So we see right here in this right here, he says, the devil is a counterfeiter. He wants to destroy your destiny. He wants to sabotage our peace. He's a disruptor of contentment. Our unseen enemy, it, he, cannot, he cannot stand us. He hates us with, with an endless hatred. But there's one place he can't go. It's the presence of God. When you and I are bombarded by the enemy and he's discouraging us and he's telling us it's not worth it and he's just throwing, telling us why are you even part of the church and when he, he, he's tempting us to be lukewarm, God, he challenges us to go into his presence and to get into the presence of God because in the presence of God, the devil cannot enter that presence. And that's why he hates us so much. He hates us so much because he was once in that presence. He was once the worship leader. And he, pride had brought his fall. He wanted to be like the most high. He began to get arrogant. You begin to read the book of Ezekiel. You begin to study the book of Ezekiel. And you begin to see this, who Lucifer was. But as Christians, when you get into the presence of God, there's no anxiety there. There's no depression there. there. There's no hurt there. When you get into the presence of God, there's no temptation there. All of a sudden, you begin to get uh, saturated and filled with the Holy Spirit. You begin to get this fresh infill where you say, you know what, I'm going to go forward for God. All of a sudden, you say, you know what, man, all these burdens, they look like little crumbs. All these mountains, they look like nothing. My God, you look so awesome. You look so powerful. Lord, there's no one like you, God. There's no one like you, God. You satisfy my heart, Lord, like no one else. Lord, you satisfy, Lord, more than anything this world can offer. You're the one who truly brings contentment and joy and peace, God, and strength, Lord. In your presence, in your presence, there's fullness of joy in your presence. Everything, God, that I need is in that place, Lord. Lord, in your presence, God, I'm refreshed. I'm revived. I'm made alive again, God. Lord, in your presence, I know that I'm in this place, but I know someday I'll be there forever. And then you go, wow. Let's go out to the world and beat up some devils. That's what you say. And they're out there waiting. 
But we have a Savior who's already paid the price for our victory. He's already paid the price for our victory. There's too many Christians that have been defeated and they're not going to the blood of Jesus where they could find victory and strength. There's too many Christians that are walking around with their heads down and, and disappointed and just, you know, just saying, you know what, I don't even want to go forward. There's too many Christians doing that. But I want to tell you that Christ, he paid the price on Calvary that you and I can have perpetual victory inside of our lives. That we could be walking and talking in God's victory. The Bible says he causes us to triumph. He leads us to that place. If the worship team could make their way up here tonight. Verse 15. The Bible says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit speaking to one another with psalms hymns and songs of the spirit sing and make music from your heart to the lord always giving thanks to the lord the father for everything in the name of our lord jesus christ making the most of every moment every moment matters paul says he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, the word he used for time is the word kairos. It's not like a digital time. It's not like a time you see on your clock, but it's like an opportune time, like a time that can slip through our hands, a time that we won't get back. A moment, a moment. Now, the enemy wants to sidetrack. He's a parasite of our time to divert us of making the most of every moment encouraging that brother that needs encouragement being a light to that unsafe person at the Denny's restaurant as you're eating there's moments in time where God wants you to enter into your destiny of being a light now he says do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery now debauchery is immorality, partying, everything that's the polar opposite of goodness. It's wickedness. And when you and I get our eyes off of God and you and I are not focused on God, we miss out on those moments that are only found when you and I are walking in light, walking in God's goodness, walking in righteousness, walking in truth. Compromise steals that. That's why Paul said, you want to be radiant, a radiant church. I said in the, the beginning of the message that when you walk into a room, you want God's radiance over your face, shining. That when you walk into the library at your junior college, you want God's radiance shining. When you walk into that area, wherever you go, you want the radiance of God's glory shining and the only way it's shining is if you and I are full of the Spirit of God. There's no other way. He said, do not be drunk in wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now let me ask you a question. It's a really easy question. But how do you get drunk with wine? You drink it. 
How do you get drunk with the Holy Spirit? How do you get full of the Holy Spirit? You and I got to allow him to come inside of our life. We got to say, God, fill me, Lord. Fill me, God. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. If anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and the drink that I give him, he'll never thirst again because it's living water that will be poured out in the depths of this man. There's going to be these streams in women, a stream of living water flowing inside of your life that you're full of God when you're walking in what? The Spirit and you're full of the Spirit of God. There's too many people, they're not full of the Spirit of God. They're full of everything else but not the Spirit of God. But here tonight, God is going to what? He's going to fill some of us tonight with the Spirit. Hallelujah.